Once again, to Refresher, the Pop Culture Therapy Podcast. I'm Chris Levine, and I'll be your host again this time around. So for those of you that don't know, I was raised in a predominantly Caucasian suburb. Now, don't get me wrong. There were other cultures all around. I mean, after all, it was a Southern California suburbia situation that I'm talking about here. But I mean, if I'm going to be honest with myself, the majority of the people smiling in my school class pictures year after year, they were kind of central casting-ish for maybe something being made by Aaron Spelling for television. I will say this. I have always had friends of nationalities across the board my entire life. I know everybody says that, but I promise you, that it's been the case. Uh, My very first little best friend in school, going back to kindergarten, was Hawaiian. Now, uh, my mother and father had friends of many cultures. I remember them not having a problem with racism, basically at all. Honestly, I I can say that openly. I I remember going to work with my dad, you know, a very blue-collar situation, and, and people of all backgrounds were cool with him. And I liked that, especially because he was totally himself. He didn't try to pretend he was somebody else to try to fit in with this group or that group. He just fit in with this group and that group somehow by being himself. That was something that I always kind of internally had a, as a goal for myself as well. I do, though, remember hearing some pretty insane racism coming out of other kids, even at a very young age growing up in elementary school. And you know what? I'm sure that I probably said some stupid things, too. You know, at the most, that would have brought me attention. And at the very least, it would have diverted from my being bullied or being made fun of for being fat, short, and hard to understand. But then I remember one day, I had to be around 10 years old, when the concept of racism actually hurt my stomach. I hated it, despised it. I spoke out against it, no matter how unpopular it would make me. That was a little boy. I found new friends that weren't idiots, and then never swam in that ridiculous sea of ignorance willingly ever again. I mean it, guys. I was done. Now, reflecting back, I can tell you that this was probably for two reasons that my little brain can piece together at this time in history and very easily in hindsight. One was just simply becoming very close to Hispanic, African-American, Jewish, and Asian kids really liking them, liking their culture, and, like my dad, being sincerely interested without pretending for a second that I could relate to their lives completely. 
But there is a second reason. And I do feel that this is, is as important, if not more important than the first. Almost all of the music that I adored, almost. And my favorite show, all of these kind of components were made with or by African-American people. I remember as a little kid, for example, how important the Wiz soundtrack was in my world. You can smile if you want, but I'm being dead serious. Picture being a little kid at that time. It was the perfect time. Michael Jackson back then was impossibly talented, and he wasn't jaded yet. He still had that joy in his eyes when he would sing and he would dance. But there was something else that truly affected me and my view of the world. Now, before I disclose it, remember, I'm of the generation, probably like many of you, where television was our babysitter. <laughs> and television was also a place where I could kind of tune into to tune out of the fighting going on in my house. It was escapism. Now, you, just like with The Wiz, may not think that I'm being serious here, but I could not be more serious. The show that was extremely instrumental in me viewing people as people collectively was what's happening. I adored that show as a kid, as a teenager. As a young adult, and now I still do as a 50-year-old man. Why? Well, it was my dad, but from the other direction. Characters were being themselves, not pandering to my culture, while at the same time completely connecting with my culture. And at the helm of this ship, on this journey was the actor Ernest Thomas. Now his character, Roger, was funny, was smart, was a good friend, a good son, a tolerant older brother who ultimately loved his sister and who would intentionally not hurt a fly. I remember watching this TV show as a little kid and so wanting to be his friend. I knew it wasn't real. I knew he was an actor. But I mean, I loved how, and I mean this respectfully, he was obviously the main character in this ensemble cast, but he was not Hollywood glamorous. He was a normal guy. And somehow, he was on television. But there is something that he and the rest of the cast of that show pulled off that I don't think even they know how they did it. Almost immediately, almost immediately, I didn't think about the main cast as being all African-American. They didn't hide it. They didn't water down their culture or their personalities. 
but they were so sweet and relatable to a kid like me that I only saw Rerun, Dwayne, and Raj. The color thing was gone. I saw people. Uh, by the way, Fred Berry, Shirley Hemphill, and Mabel King were also stars of this hit TV show. And like me, they weren't skinny. What's interesting is there were a lot of fat jokes on that show. And sometimes it's a little uncomfortable in 2023 to hear them. But here's what makes them different. You knew that these people on this show loved one another. There was no hatred or meanness in these jokes. And if a character, which it actually happened a couple times, if a character said the joke was over the line, the joke stopped. See, I could appreciate this and I could laugh along with this. Me, by all means, again, not being a, a skinny kid by any measure. Now, if you heard my psychology on vinyl episode about Stevie Wonder's Songs in the Key of Life record, you'll remember that I mentioned how Stevie Wonder always seemed to invite everyone to the party. He was totally proud of who he was, but not at another race's expense. That record was not just made for black people, it was made for the universe. In my mind, so was what's happening. And you know what was crazy? Everyone I knew who watched that show as a kid, like me, even the kids with the biggest racist mouths, they all loved that show. because we were allowed to go to the soda shop with Ernest Thomas. He was okay with us turning a chair around, sliding into it and sitting at the table with him and his friends. I watched that show and while I laughed, I was at peace. I, I literally wanted to live next door to Raj and Dee and their mother. I wanted to help their mother with her grocery bags and carry them into the house for her. Dare I say it, this show with its love, humor, and friendship made me a better human being. And I promise you, you can think that I'm being sarcastic all you want, but I'm not. I am absolutely not. And then the piece de resistance, season two, episodes 37 and 38, the two-part episode with the Doobie Brothers, came on my television, one right after the other in syndication. Now, I wasn't the hugest fan of the group at that time, but them appearing on that show, it, it turned me into a fan of theirs. Think of how this moment in television history took a sledgehammer and just smashed genre and categorization. You have to remember, this was at a time when white people like white people music and black people like black people music. And that's how it was marketed. It kind of still is, but in reality, people know who's buying what. 
But here in the late 70s, here's this multiracial band playing for a predominantly African-American audience. Now, I'm sure some people, they didn't buy it. But you simply could not fake the expressions and the joy of each cast member when they were caught on film rocking and dancing and singing along to these songs. And there you have it. Another stereotype lies dead right before my eyes. People of different groups could like whatever music they wanted. What a concept. This show was not just a silly comedy. It's a time capsule that for any generation before, during, or since can be used to show a love and an acceptance between peoples. It was and will remain a special and iconic piece of pop culture. But beyond that, it was a unifier between cultures made to feel that being separated was a good thing by the masses. You know, later on in life, I remember watching and enjoying a show called Everybody Hates Chris on television based on the life of Chris Rock, the comedian. And I thought when I first started watching that show that that show was cast perfectly, especially the kids. I mean, that's not easy to do, but, but they pulled that off really well. And then one night, there he was again as Mr. Omar. That's my friend up there from what's happening. He acted like another character and he did very well doing so. But there was Raj, the guy who let me into his home when he was saving up to buy a typewriter. The guy who stood up for his horrible actor friend at the risk of missing out on his big break as a writer in front of a producer. The black and white divide was smashed by this man. I just knew he would have liked me as much as I liked him if we knew each other. His show can be proud for its portrayal of an excellent mother, a studious son, and a community that loved one another while somehow opening up a spot for me on their couch when a game came on or a new show was airing for them to watch for the first time together. The New York Times said this. It said in newly published research, economists examined longer-term effects of Sesame Street by comparing the educational outcomes of children and young adults in countries more or less likely to have access to the program during its early years. They found that children living in countries with better Sesame Street coverage were actually less likely to be held behind a grade level. And it wasn't just the learning exercises here. Again, just like on what's happening, you have many cultures together. You have a community playing and singing a song 
one you can keep simple to last your whole life long. Television can be a good thing. It really can. There was no blood and guts. There was no sex. There was no violence. But what there was was something very special. Thank you, Ernest Thomas, for expanding my horizons. Be proud of your most recognizable role, Roger Thomas, because not only was it a clever portrayal, not only was it refreshing, and not only was it precise, but you changed at least one person for the better by being Roger. And that would be me. We have once again arrived at the time on Refresher when we present you with a Spotify playlist to shadow our overall theme. This time around, we have for you the Refresher podcast. Ernest Lee Thomas is a Gen X unifier playlist. You can find it real easily on Spotify. Just type in Refresher podcast dash Ernest Lee Thomas is a Gen X unifier. Now, here's what I did. You know what? I guess I'll just tell you as I go. So here's our 10 songs. We traditionally have a 10-song playlist at the end of all of our episodes. Track number one, the infamous What's Happening theme. It's as good a potential atmosphere builder as any to get us going. And this was tackled here by, of course, Henry Mancini. Now, the next six songs are all of the songs the Doobie Brothers played on that show. In order, mind you. So track two is Echoes of Love. Track three is Little Darling, I Need You. Track four is Black Water. Track five is Take Me in Your Arms, Rock Me a Little While. Number six is the show I Cheat. I'm sorry. At the end, at the end of, of, of the song called I Cheat the Hangman, there's this instrumental part which they did on the show live. Uh, number seven is taking it to the streets. Uh, number eight. Now, uh, number eight is where I have to venture off. So I chose this because it was one of the funniest scenes by Haywood Nelson, where he, in the Dwayne character, sang this in front of the class. It's, of course, Handyman by James Taylor. Number nine. When they were testing the tape recorder to bootleg the Doobie Brothers for fear of getting hurt, they cut the tension in the room by singing this song, Fly Me to the Moon. That's our next one, and then this is the version that was by Bobby Womack. And number 10, from season 3, specifically episode 65, the very last one, they put on a talent show, and Raj sings this song, which ironically for me as a kid who loved this too, was from The Wiz. He sang Believe in Yourself. This is, of course, the version that Diana Ross does here. That's our new playlist. Again, you can find this playlist really easily on Spotify. Just type in Refresher Podcast dash Ernest Lee Thomas is a Gen X unifier. We'd like to welcome some new listeners to our little show. Our demographics report shows that we now have listeners in the United States, in Garland, North Carolina. Welcome. 
And are you ready for this one? Wow. To me, it's quite touching considering the atmosphere going on there at the moment. But we just had reports of brand new listeners, get this, in Odessa, Ukraine. My goodness. Welcome to Refresher. I hope our show somehow brightens your day. And thank you so much for listening. Guys, did you know that plants improve the air around you and they actually improve your mood? Well, Leafy is the world's first ever patented self-watering plant container. Now, they sell plants too, but it's not just plant sales. What they want you to do is, is take that plant with you, like a pet plant to go. Check out their awesome website. There are so many cool videos and so forth. You're going to want to see this. It is at www.leafve.com. That is leafy www.leafve.com. I also wanted to bring attention to my friends over at DesignCraft in New York City. They are at the forefront of the millwork industry, constantly innovating to meet custom needs. You want to see some really cool work? Check out samples of their unbelievable, unbelievable artistry at designcraft.com. But notice how they spell it. It is D-E-Z-I-G-N-K-R-A-F-T dot com. You know, this show simply would not exist without you. This is full-on grassroots, pass-it-along-to-your-friend type situation. And it's grown, and it's all your fault. Thank you so much. If you could do me a favor, please continue to pass this podcast along to your friends. If you have social media and you want to put it there for people to see it, that'd be nice if you're comfortable doing so. And also, if you'd like to help keep this podcast stay up and running, if you would like, you can make a small monthly contribution. Just see the support this podcast link under the episode description. If you are so inclined, that would be great. But we live in an expensive world, and I understand. So if you do or whether you don't feel you're in a position to do that right now, the most important thing is for you to keep listening and enjoy this show anytime you want to. Finally, if you want to read any of the books that I've written, including celebrity interviews that I've done, um, and if you'd like any kind of merchandise for this show, we have some pretty cool t-shirts and so forth, you can go to our website, which is refresherpodcast.yolasite.com. That is refresherpodcast.yolasite.com. As always, the music that begins and ends this podcast is by the band Dive. The song is called A Day Late, and it was written by Mr. John Hi 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 Villafuerte. Until next time, this is Chris Levine for Refresher, the Pop Culture Therapy Podcast. Everyone, please take care and do yourself a favor. And remember, there's a big difference between worry and concern. Take care of yourselves. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.